Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Let's take a trip back down memory lane and revisit the 2003 NHL Entry Draft. You had players like Marc-Andre Fleury, Eric Stahl, Nathan Horton, some guy Columbus tried to get rid of a day later named uh, Nikolai Zherdev. Thomas Vanek, Ryan Suter, Dion Phaneuf, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, Zach Parise, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Eric Fair, and I can go on and on and on. Paul Bissonnette. Yes, he I was there too. On, but I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being, that was probably one of the most heralded draft classes, at least in recent memory. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me as a relative newcomer in the hockey sphere because I'm not quite old white man territory yet. I'm getting there quickly. Um, Very talented class. Hasn't been approached or topped uh, since, I think, in terms of the volume of players. But I pose this question. How many future Hockey Hall of Famers are in that class? One. One? Yep. I'm going to go with one. Who's your one? Flurry. I'm going to go with... uh, I want to say three, but I know it's going to be more than three, and that's going to make me angry. Four. I'm going to go with four. I'm going to go with Shea Weber. I'm going to go with Patrice Bergeron. I'm going to go with... (laughs) Blurry and French Burns. <laughs> she said she said Voldemort to you. That, she did. <laughs> no, but uh, so to mm. peel back the curtain a little, uh, mm-hmm. Patrice Bergeron was kind of was the name that came up in readings or whatever I was doing because I I read way too much about hockey during the week. Everyone seems to think he is a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't go in on the first ballot, but I, I think there's no doubt in most people's minds he is a shoe in to be enshrined. And I, I, I struggled uh-huh. with that thought a bit. And so I ended up going back and I'm looking and. As of, you know, prior to this recording, he has played 1,022 games. Okay. So mm-hmm. he said, like, a minimum baseline, I think. I think playing 1,000 games is kind of a new threshold unless you put up ridiculous numbers. And I'm, we'll go down this this road with a couple players later. But didn't he's one put, of you say Didn't one of you say that 800 points was the thing? Uh, 1,000 points. A thousand points, and that, five, that five, yeah, five hundred goals, a thousand points, kind of somewhere in there. Yeah, okay. like those, Sorry, those to be kind of the starter stats. So Bergeron has three hundred twenty goals, mm-hmm. four hundred eighty-seven assists for eight hundred and seven points, mm-hmm. which, at least in the draft class, puts him third overall. Not a point per game player, but I think we're we're in an age where that's kind of. It was a dying breed for the, you know, early 2000s and into probably prior to the McDavid draft. Um, 
where only the best of the best, the Ovechkins and Crosby's kind of reach that mark. Bergeron's just an interesting like case where he's getting rewarded for the intangibles and intangibles alone. And I think to myself, I'm not sure I have any Hall of Famers out of this class yet. See, I'm going with name recognition because that seems to be very big for some reason for a lot of people. It's like if, if they're a big name, whether they actually do anything or not, they mm-hmm. seem to get in. <laughs> and so, you know, I have it sorted by games played, um, the 2003 draft. Number one is Eric Stahl. He has uh, 1,160 games, 68 games played thus far. Dustin Brown, 1,109. Brent Seabrook with 1,074, and so on and so forth. So if we're going with a 1,000-game threshold, then you've got got like 10 (laughs) in this draft class. But if you're going by points... Um, then there, there's kind of not really, well, there's, there's probably about eight that are 700 points and above. You've got two that are verging on or creeping up on 1000 points and that's Ryan Getzlaff and Eric Stahl. So Bergeron's sitting at number three with the number of points, but, um, now I get what you're saying. It's, but mostly I really believe it. I do. It's name recognition. If they oh. have the numbers to back up the, the name recognition, they're in. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to get in. Yeah. It's a question in my mind of, is he a player that should be immortalized? Because that's the way I like to phrase it and think of Hall of Fame players or when a player's number is retired by a franchise. Um and Eric Saul is going to be kind of my guinea pig because in here in Carolina, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that his number 12 will be raised to the rafters one day. Mm-hmm. And I sit back and think, he never played a thousand games for the franchise. Mm-mm. Yes, he was a part of their only championship team. Yes, he, he if, if you limit the team's history only in the Carolina market, which up until, you know, it, 12 months ago, that's the only thing the franchise cared about. Um, He put up the most points. He played the most games. But what else did he really do? He he won an all-star game MVP. But none of that really shouts out greatness or, or, you know, the best or the best. Or let's be honest, playing in the Raleigh market, he's not even that, you know, famous as a hockey player. He yeah. doesn't have or scream name recognition. and But he will hit 500 goals. He will hit his 1,000 points. He'll hit those minimum benchmarks. I don't see him getting in anytime soon. Will, will he, though? <sighs> will he hit the benchmarks? Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, oh, yeah, I he's, he's, got, he's got 1,168 games played. He's got 416 goals. He's got 556 assists for 972 points. He's he only hit the points. He has like 30. He, he's, That's I mean, he I'm may saying. not make 500 goals, but he'll yeah. make a thousand points. And, and see a thousand points sort of sits for some reason. I think a thousand points sits below 500 goals as far as a watermark. 
I, I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like the pecking order, right? If if mm-hmm. we've got 500 goals, you know, that's the Richard line. That's the Maurice Richard line, right? He's he's got he is the the best goal scorer. He's got the most goals out of anyone in this draft class, by far. Well, not by far, by like 40. Yeah. Thomas Vanek is is second, and then right behind him is Corey Perry. <laughs> yeah, but. But that aside, you know, a thousand points is a is a lauded mark. Mm-hmm. But five hundred goals is more lauded. What I'm saying is is five hundred plus a thousand points. It kind of puts you in that shoe in first ballot Hall of Fame. A thousand points is like it might be a slow year ballot Hall of Fame type thing. And you may wait a little while mm-hmm. because there are guys out there that have that have had a thousand points that are, we're still sitting around waiting. And on the converse side or on the other side, you look at somebody like Dave Andrichuk who had like well over 600 goals and sat around twiddling his thumbs. So name recognition. And, and there was always, always that perception with Andrichuk that, um, was he, a, was he a talented goal scorer? Because, you know, all he did was park his six, three, six, four frame in front of the net. And, you know, let stuff bounce in off him type thing. But that's still a talent. And, you know, it's Housley's my other one, too. How long? And some poor guy right now can't catch a break for anything, even though he's doing it himself. But how long did he have to sit and wait as being the all-time, you know, leading scorer amongst uh, defensemen for a U.S.-born player? And, yeah. and and we're talking in the echelon of, you know, he was top four or top five in all time for all defensemen. And he sat around for God ages before he was even mentioned. So name recognition obviously plays a part, but I think they're I, I also think that they're clearing out some of the old guard. And that were part of the selection committee, so I don't know. You know, it's is this is one of those times. You know, it's like you can take on Jeff Merrick's rant, right, and mm-hmm. go back and say there are players from from eras which none of us would have been alive to see them play, who are probably more deserving of being in the Hall of Fame than Eric Lindros. Okay. Or, you know, I knew you brought you were up say another him. trigger name. Yeah. <laughs> Which all right. Let let's let's use Andrew Chuck. Let's use Lindros's two case studies. One is a a case of simply the best talent for a very small amount of time versus longevity, where Andrew Tuck played, I think, 24, 25 seasons. Yeah, and that was, I think, that was the other thing I think that hurt him. It's like, you know, if you stand around for 20 years in front of the net, you better score 600 goals. Well, okay. You know, there was sort of that perception about him. So for me, it it comes down to, you know, if you're a Hall of Fame talent, doesn't that mean you had to have made a serious impact or contributed in a way that very few have contributed to the game? And going through the list of players, the the modern era players from like the 1970s on, and 
I'm like, half of them are like, no. <laughs> and then if you go through the, the basis of selection of candidates on the Hockey Hall of Fame website, I don't know how most of these guys can meet these definitions, you know? I mean, like, okay, so player, playing ability, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to his or her team or teams into the game of hockey in general. Like, um, so what was the contribution of Mark Messier to the team, to the uh, game of hockey in general? Can anyone tell me? Yeah, I mean, the Messier was a great board. captain. Yeah, I mean, he was a great oh. captain. But... No, 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 no. 1994. Come on, Cassie. What? Who? Come on. <gasps> the... The, the championship that's hawked at nauseum above all yeah. others from the yeah. modern era. I know. I mean, he, he, I was in Vancouver for that. There, there was I a didn't guy get to the game, but I was there. Literally holding up a sign that said, now I can die in peace. I mean, what has he contributed to the game? He saved that man's life. <laughs> <laughs> he extended that man's life. <laughs> was that was that a uh, was <laughs> was that good or not though? The deed itself is what should be accounted for, not the actions after the deed. I mean, you know, it's like you take a player like Peter Forsberg, who, yeah, okay, they won a couple of, well, he actually didn't win in the, or play in the final, but the, uh, you know, 1996 and, 19, and 2001, yeah, he won a couple of cups. Yeah, he won a, um, a couple of gold medals at the Olympics. Um, on gimpy, on a gimpy foot, no less. And, um, you know, but his contribution to hockey was Sweden. <laughs> Being on a postage stamp. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, so that's, so that's with him, I, I struggle with it, but I give him a buy because of that international stuff. Yeah. Because it, it, for all, you know, it is an international hockey hall of fame. He put he put Swedish hockey players on the map. That was his contribution to the game of hockey. Yes, there was like well, Ore Salming and there's a few others, but but he was the one in in the you know current era, quote unquote, whatever current you want it to be, <laughs> to to really like because you know before Forsberg, Swedish hockey players were soft and and although other xenophobic xenophobic terms you want to use regarding that but you know after Forsberg then all of a sudden Swedish hockey players were totally totally acceptable oh I'm not disagreeing with that but I mean there were other nasty Swedes that were in the league prior to him oh yeah um, definitely. but he was he because of his rise and and the infamous postage stamp and <laughs> all of you know, everything that went with that, um, he, I don't know. He is, he is by far and away, probably my all time favorite player. Oh, he's mine too. Uh, and I, I, and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a Gretzky, you know, apologist to any degree. Oh, I'm not, I don't like Gretzky at all, but that's another story. (laughs) And, 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 you know, it's to each their own. And, but when it, when everything came down to it, I paid money more often to go see Forsberg play than anyone else because it, it, he had ridiculous hands and he was nasty. Oh, yeah. And, boy, you put the two of those things together and that little reverse shiver hit and, 
you know, the Forsberging is he drag you around the net behind and then turn back into you and shoot. And oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really too bad that that congenital um, defect in his foot, like cut his career short, but because I mean, imagine what he could have done over a course of a 20 year career. I mean, yeah, he would have declined obviously like everybody does, but, but even still, the phys- but he had, you know, the the analogy in baseball. He's a five-tool player. Well, with him, he was, you know, he had the speed, he had the hands, and he had the physicality. He had the feet. Call- yeah. He was fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It wasn't so. just like hands. He was. All- he also had the feet, man. He he could, he oh, was he probably, he, he is probably one of the most complete players to have played in the NHL. Yeah. And that's, and I'm by, you know, he had the skill of a Mario Lemieux and, and the nastiness of kind of a Bobby Clark and the hands of a Adam Oates and a Gretzky. And when he decided to shoot, oh my God, that wrist shot. Um, and he thought he had a bad shot. Oh, he thought yeah. he had like a horrible shot. And so he didn't shoot as much as he could have. Yeah. But I'm sitting here going, okay, you know, on, if you looked at his NHL career, I'm, I love him to death. Not a Hall of Famer. No. But four international Olympic gold medals. What do we got? Five, five silvers, I think, in there. You know, he had an international career worthy of it. As far as I'm concerned. So. Oh, yeah. No, he was, he was. Uh... I mean, it, it just, just alone for that 92. <laughs> I mean, he did get, he did end up with the Calder trophy. He ended up with the Art Ross. He had the heart. I mean, he did get the NHL hardware, but, you know, he also didn't play. He also played 700 games because of a bum foot. So. Yeah. And I think it's important that for me, at least, I always have to step back and go, it is not the NHL Hall of Fame. No. And so. And I'm going back to the initial question of the 2003 draft class um, and sort of going, okay, based on what they've done internationally, is there anything that puts any of those guys over the top? And I kind of come back to the same thing. No. Honest to God, I think my personal opinion, and and Eric Stahl is probably going to be, probably wait two or three years. He'll be one of those we need someone type entrance. I don't know. I don't I don't know if he's I, I mean because you look at the rest of the guys in that draft class and they've got more name recognition than he does and he's in he's in Carolina which not anymore. You know that's Huh? Uh, no no he's not anymore you're right. Yeah, no he's you're, in you're uh, thinking, Minnesota yeah, right? You're thinking Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Um but you know that's what's gonna hurt someone like uh well, maybe not Brent Burns, but um, 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 what's his face? I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Dustin Brown, who actually has like a thousand. Uh, he he's played eleven hundred over eleven hundred games, but you know it's like he's not going to get like that, which is fine because you know. <laughs> well, there's 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 nothing in Dustin Brown's career internationally or in the NHL that screams Hall of Fame. Right. And there's nothing in Eric Stahl's to me that screams Hall of Fame either. 
Yeah. I, I, mean, I think Brent Burns honestly has the best case of all the players. And I'm not sure he's there yet. And I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to tell number eight currently all times wins for goalies is Mark Andre Fleury, who also happens to have three cup rings. No one takes Fleury seriously, though. That's the that's the stupid part. There, the funny thing is, is there was a period where he was the best, then he was the worst in the playoffs, and then last year with Vegas was the rebirth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and he is on the back stretch of his career. Clearly, for all, for all intent and purposes. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there, you know. Up, up amongst the Sawchucks and Lundquist and the Longos and those guys, as far as all-time wins, he might make 500 wins before he retires. And that, you know, that puts him right there. And that's, you know, like 500 goals is for a player. 500 wins for a goaltender is almost automatic checkbox. Whew. He is... Right, because sixty-one's win shy. Yeah, he's so, got that contract, so it's feasible. Right. right. I mean, if if he plays forty next season and forty the season after that, he might do it. So when you start talking about flurry, my mind goes to two players who were <sighs> very similar in my minds, and that's Chris Osgood and Curtis Joseph. And it's, I think it's hard to put any one of those three players without them all getting in. And see, I, I don't, you know, what's holding out Joseph, the career losses. That's part of it. You know what the other part is? What doesn't he have? Oh, some sort of championship hardware, the magic ring. Now the, the the converse side of that is Chris Osgood couldn't even keep his starting job. Right? So to your point, Cassie, as much as it is name recognition, there's also a lot of perception. Mm-hmm. Reputation. Yeah. And and when people think of Chris Osgood, what do they think of? Well, they think of Detroit. And when they think of those cup winning Detroit teams, who was you you know, you could have put a trained seal back there and net is what a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. Nothing was getting by, you know, that the, the yeah, that team. And even yeah. if they did, they, you know, they'd outscore you by three or four more because the forwards. So he's carrying the baggage of being the guy who was just sort of, he's, he's the Ringo star of the Beatles, so to speak. No one gives mm-hmm. him any credence as a drummer. And Joseph was the guy you brought in, you know, when you're when you needed to go on a massive PDO bender, because he'd stop every, you know, he'd fifty shots a night, and he was fine and happy. And you may lose a game five four, you may win a game five four, but he was never the guy that took you far into the playoffs because he got saddled with working with a lot of those teams that were just not good. So his yeah, his career record is interesting. I mean, he's um, barely above 500, I think. If you 
if you do the whole, if you get rid of the ties and shootout losses, is anything other than a loss? I think he's barely above 500. You know, hockey is the worst when it comes to reputation. Like the worst. I mean, most sports players get reputations among the league, and, and that's how it usually works anyway. But like hockey takes it so seriously. They take the reputation so seriously when it, even if you give them the numbers to tell them that, oh, no, you know, that's just a perception thing, they'll still stick to that like perception. Yeah. No matter what, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, he has those numbers, but. And it's just the worst. It's like reputation will make or break you in the NHL. Oh, and it's 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 just hysterical because you look at Joseph and it's what five six Vezinas I think he had a heart or two hearts. I think no. Did he? I'm trying Joseph. to remember. No, he, he, didn't, he no yeah, he no. he won a King Clancy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, because that I, I keep doing that. I keep screwing him. I keep getting him turned around. Um, yeah. So he doesn't have any of the any of the ancillary hardware to sort of offset the lack of a Stanley Cup. He just happened to have a very extended career. And coming back to Dave Andrzejczyk, you know, if you play 19 years in net, you better win a fixed amount of games that entire time. So if you're talking about Andrew Chuck, if he didn't win that cup with the uh, 04 Lightning, would he be in? No. Because well, just well, on the goal total alone. Look, no. look how long it look how long it took him to get in, even with the cup. Yeah. You know that's that's what blows my mind more than anything, is they they set this watermark and then they let other players in who barely get over that watermark. And then somebody like Andrew Chuck has to sit around who, you know, cleared, a, cleared this particular mark, you know, with flourish. But, you know, it is it's perception. It's all that game. It's like, who did he piss off on the committee? Because that's kind of what it comes down to. Right? Or just, you know, not not having not being flashy enough, you know, being under the radar and nobody knew. I mean, everybody knew of course who Dave Andrzejczyk was, but it was also like, Oh, well he played for Buffalo and he played for Tampa and no one pays attention to those teams, but let's talk about Sidney Crosby because he's exciting. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Cause it also comes down to where they play. I mean, I bet you if you went through all the players in the hockey hall of fame and you started marking out on a map where they played that the majority of them would not be, would be from the East coast or will have been from NHL teams on the East coast. I, I'll say that it's kind of skewed because you have to, because I mean, people bounced around. I understand. Well, but... no, but they, the, the, Oh, well, Oh yeah. The, the original six arbitrary six. Right. So, yeah. I mean, the, the bulk of those first few hundred that are in there are from that arbitrary yeah. six era. Right. And then we're, they started to backfill. So Yeah, like the last probably, I would say, five years, we've gotten beyond the 21-team league where the yeah. selection committee is pulling from since they weigh NHL above all else, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, they um, do. They're all NHL people, or mostly. Yeah, and that's, I keep coming back to, you know, when the, when, when the selection committee gets... 
updated, refreshed. This is about the time we'll start seeing other people get in. You know, I think some more deserving players who, you know, that my my favorite is there's always there always seems to be the one guy who has had a brilliant international career that absolutely no one has heard about in North America who gets in. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just they just seem to like throw that little bone every once in a while as to say as a reminder going, hey, guys, it's not all about the NHL. And I would say, great. Even if it is all about the NHL, how about some of these guys from the past who deserve to be in there instead of some of the people now you're putting in because you like them? Yeah, well, I mean, like Tretiak, he went in, he didn't go in, he went in only a few years ago, right? I mean, he, they like, I don't remember when he went in actually. Because he's one of those like international players that inducted 1989. Never mind. But he was the inter- one of those international players. And I guess, you know, he did have like a North American reputation because he played in those uh, um, Summit Games, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. And it was his reputation preceded him. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, that was the whole, that Red Army team. Oh, my God. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just going through the list. That was the first name that I saw when you had said international. I'm like, oh, Trechiak. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, like I said, they they do that every once in a while. They they almost like to placate everyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, now they're doing that with the women, so they're gonna have to switch off and on between international and women. <laughs> which is well, which is strange because actually they included two, you know, Jenna Hefford and uh, Alexander Yakushov last year. So they kind of. Added them in with Brodeur, who was a, you know, case closed, no questions asked inductee. And then Mm -hmm. Marty St. Louis, who. (laughs) Another one of those that you're like, Uh I I love Marty. I do. But, um, yeah. Oh, dear God. How did I not know this? I'm sorry. I just, I, oh, for the love of all things holy, how is Pierre Maguire on the committee? Oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> no. I honest to God, that had to have been one of those things where I I I Blanked. blocked it out. I probably just blocked it out. Oh my god in heaven. Wow. Okay. Because he was an assistant coach of Scotty Bowman and he's a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. And that's all I got for you. It's probably the oh. walking encyclopedia part. That's why he's in. I hope to yeah, God. have to look it up. <laughs> wow. I hope to God he and, and, and Bob McKenzie don't ever end up in the same room. <laughs> oh. oh, no. I want to see that. I want to I want a camera. <laughs> I want a cage match. <laughs> that always made for interesting trait deadline shows on TSN when the network would actually have him in studio. Oh, Jesus. I, I watched a few of those, and there were some uh, some of the animos not animosity some of the animus uh, between some of the panel hosts towards Pierre was pretty evident in a few of those. Mm-hmm. Wow! <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, they have they have quite a. I, I looked at it last weekend. They have quite a list. 
quite a list of people that are on the committee and I'm just like, uh-huh, that explains so much. <laughs> well, I know I knew I knew Burke was on there. I knew Ronnie Francis is on there and Yari Curry and Igor Lorianov. I did not remember that Poyle was there and I did not remember McGuire was there. Obviously. Now McGuire is a very recent, like last four or five year uh, addition. I believe he joined around the same time Francis was included. So I, I yeah, think twenty. Yeah, it says twenty eighteen was when he was elected to the hall of, to the selection committee. And I believe they served what a fifteen year term, something. So it's yeah. it's not a forever position, which is. Colin Campbell, Bob Clark, Michael Farber, McGuire, Poyle, Brobatai. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, Hedberg, Curry, and Larry Onov are there to serve what purpose? You're international. Right. Right. And then the the token female, which is just... Cassie Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Which is we'll need to recuse herself in a year or two, probably two, unfortunately. I hope she raises hell. But you know what the nice thing is is Berkey's there, so he's got a she's got a fighter on that side. Oh, yeah. John Davidson too, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. Davidson's actually really big on that. Yeah. And being the chair, he drives that thing. So. Yeah. And I'm sure Bob, Bobby Margarito will probably be up. On her side, so I think she'll be in easy. Oh yeah, it's... she she damn well better be in easy. So what's <laughs> yeah. going to happen is next year Haley Wickenheiser is it'll be her first year of eligibility. Oh, she should be first. She should be in. Yeah, and then I think the next year Cassie gets in, um, without a doubt. So. Which is, which sucks because I mean there isn't any reason the two of them can't go in together. Well, other, I... other than their little stupid laws, and it's not <laughs> even a law; it's just sort of you know. Their guidelines. Their guidelines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but then taking our whole discussion about that 2003 class and then talk about players that are eligible next year, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't both go in. Right. Because. You know, I'm looking at some old, uh, you know, dating back to November of 2018. These are the, okay, we just found out who's going in this year. Who's next? And when I read things like Nearlock, Daniel Alfredson. No. Five to, five to one odds, Sergei Gonchar, Kevin Lowe, Sergei Zubov. And I could keep going down the list. I'm like, these two women deserve to be put in before everyone does this. If, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zubov being out's oh, a bit of a joke, but that's another story. All right, and then I'll throw this name at you, Doug Wilson. Nope. You say no. So I think we. I have the Vegas. I think these are the Vegas odds for the class of 2019 for the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> Near lock, Daniel Alfredson. Five to one, Gonchar, Kevin Lowe, Doug Wilson, Sergey no. Zubov. 
Uh, 10 to 1, Alexander Mogilny. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. He deserves to go in, as I've said, but <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Jeremy Roenick? Are you freaking kidding me? Well, well, Roenick and Mogilny kind of fall in the same space where they are 500 yep. goal scorers in their career, and they're one of a half dozen players that are not currently in the Hall of Fame. So 12 to 1 odds. Curtis Joseph, 20 to 1, Rod Brindamore, Theo Fleury, Boris Mikhailov, and Chris Osgood, 25 to 1, Dan Boyle, Patrick Eliash, and Vincent LeCavalier, 30 to 1, Keith Kachuk, Pierre Turgeon, and 40 to 1 is the field. So they're throwing out Peter Bondra, Pat Verbeek, Dale Hunter, Tim Thomas, Brad Richards, and blah, blah, blah. Best guess, this was actually a, a Wyshynski article from ESPN. Uh, Haley Wittgen... a Wyshynski. Huh? <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at it right now, too, yeah. following along. <laughs> and so the, the best guess is Haley Wickenheiser, Daniel Alfredson, Sergey Gonchar, and Jim Rutherford, Don Cherry. Don Cherry, oh, God, no. <laughs> no. More like tearing it down rather than builder. Jeez. So, oh, is uh, where'd they have Kachuk? Where'd they have huh? Kachuk again? Uh, Kachuk was at thirty to one odds with Pierre Turgeon. Really? That's interesting. <clears throat> Five hundred thirty-eight goals, thirty-second most in NHL history. Yeah, twelve hundred games played, over a thousand points. Doesn't have the hardware, so that's what's key. Okay. So it it makes me wonder if they're going to start raising their standards after they kind of backfill some of these guys that are waiting around forever, which makes me curious about Wilson. The Cavalier shouldn't go in. Anyways, I'm sorry. Wilson. Um, Doug Wilson. I'm just totally blinking. No, not even close. He's got a Norris trophy. That's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he has plenty of friends. Uh, Friends can only carry you so far. Yeah. I mean, friends really can only carry you so far on this one. He does not have anywhere near the numbers of anything. And, And we can sit there and go, okay, you know, he was a defensive defenseman. Lord knows those don't exist anymore. But... They do, but people like... I mean, yeah. they ignore defense anyway, so it doesn't right. matter. Correct. But <clears throat> I, yeah, yeah. I, it's 15th all-time amongst NHL defensemen with points. Uh, uh. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't think he's, you know, that's to your point, Pat, it's sort of backfilling and it's these guys that have the the stats, so to speak, the stat lines that put them into that echelon of Hall of Fame consideration, but they end up waiting 15, 20 years till they find, you know, till we hit that dip in talent available, so to speak, for Hall of Fame selection that these guys kind of go okay, um, who's on the top of the queue that's not been in, who's kind of got the qualifications? Oh, it's him. So, you know, it's kind of like, I think 
are there any surefire? Surefire? No, I don't. I don't even think Alfredson's a quote unquote surefire. But well, Gilney should be. I'm reading through the stats here, and I was, it just makes me even more angry. Yeah, triple it, gold it, club member, 28 yep. of them in history, uh, and yeah. you know, 1.04 points per game average, 38th all time. So I mean. <laughs> Alfredson's got the numbers. I'm not discounting that. Alfredson's got some of the international acclaim. But, I mean, did he really, and and I keep coming back to this, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of really great players. What did Alfredson do, you know, Worthy of selection. Did did he change the way the game was played? Did he exponentially blow lap the field and how how groundbreaking his style of play was or any of that? So I just I have to resign myself to the fact that it's the hall of really great players. It really it, it is. is. Because if you want a, an interesting thought experiment. Everyone's going to say Daniel Albertson's a surefire Hall of Famer outside of this discussion. In Wyshynski's article, he brings up Rod Brendamore, which says a name. I don't think Rod Brendamore's a Hall of Famer. Personally, my favorite player growing up. But if you match his statistics and Daniel Albertson's side by side, they're near identical. Yeah. Yeah, they are right. within, I think, 10 points of each other, maybe 20. He has more goals, being Brenda Moore, more assists. He has the Stanley Cup, two Selkies. He does not have a gold medal, but he did play in the Olympics back in the 80s. He had a bit of a, you know, he played for World Cup team or uh, World Championship teams in the past. But nothing about his game screams, you know, Hall of Famer. He just played a majority of his career in the South, and Daniel Alfredson played in Ontario. When all is said and done. And Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oh, God, yeah. Media market. It makes all the difference in the world. Oh, unbelievably so. Hmm. Unbelievably so. I'm just... I'm... I mean, but like, here's the point. To me, honestly, he, he. whenever I think of Rod Brintamore, the equivalent to me is like Tony Amante. <laughs> oh, not if you look at them in, at present day, let me tell you. Well, no, but I'm talking like... Like statistically, although I'm sure that Brindamore had better stats, but like the equivalent, you know, kind of in perception, going back to that, and yeah. repu- well, not not reputation because Brindamore is more of a um, more of a fighter than Amante was, but you know what I mean. They weren't like they weren't like top line guys, and they weren't like scoring 50 goals a season or any of that. But but yeah. Yeah, and like right now, Brenda Moore sits at 58 all time in career goals, Alfredson 62. But 
neither of them hit the 500 mark. They have their 1,000 points. They both played, uh, I want to say, Brendamore played almost 1,500 games. Alfredson did it, you know, in 1,246 games. So he, he, you know, amassed his stats in a much better time frame. But then you start bringing in the uh, Andrew Chuck argument, and then same thing with the Goldies when you start talking about Curtis Joseph and so on and so forth. So to kind of bring it back full circle, is a guy from the 2003 class going to have to play another five or six years, maybe, you know, play till they're 40 just to get the numbers to kind of that sweet spot for the selection committee, just so they can put one of them in, like you were saying, Cassie. I, I think a couple of them will. I don't know. See, the, the thing is, is that, is that with a lot of players in their 30s, they'll, you know, late 30s especially, huge drop-off in production. And so even if they play until they're 40, will they actually make those those marks? I mean... Flurry might, but I don't know about anyone else. That's why, by my selection committee of me, <laughs> Flurry is the only one trending right now to Hall of Fame. And and you know, throw away the two Stanley Cup championships that he sat behind Matt Murray as his cheerleader even though he was an integral part in one of them, because had he not played out of his mind, they never would have made into as far into the playoffs as they did. But we'll mm-hmm. throw that psyche aside. The, the, the sex appeal of what he's doing in Vegas and that first year in Vegas is going to put a big, huge Vegas style golden shine on him in his career. It's the redemption story. Right, It's the guy who was so wrapped up in his own mind or whatever was going on with him for a number of years in the playoffs that he couldn't he couldn't win and then he got you know wally pipped by a, by a 21 year old upstart who went on a magical run and won two cups with him as his cheerleader. He gets a fresh start in Vegas, backstops a team, plays out of his mind, which he's largely done in the playoff or in the regular season anyway but carries it through in that team, you know, so he's got, he's got the numbers. He's got the, 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 the press. He's got the fighters, you know, obviously if Pierre Maguire is on the selection committee for crying out loud, it's, it's a shoe in. He'll just beat everyone down with useless knowledge about Marc-Andre Fleury until everyone is unconscious. And then he'll just run around and scribble, you know, take their hands and put a pen <laughs> in it and then just sign their name as they're all asleep. <sighs> yeah, I, I think that indisputably he'll he'll uh, he'll get in. I think that Bergeron will get in purely on the reputation. I mean, uh, his, he'll still have to get the numbers. Don't get me wrong. No, but... I, I I was going to say sorry, sorry, Cass, really quick. I think where Bergeron the numbers get ignored. For him, 
Mm -hmm. is is the number of selkie trophies that's what's going to be paramount for him and then i think that and then the other two guys that i picked were both defensemen so their number thresholds are way lower and you know shea weber's now playing in montreal so he's getting lots of media um noticing him and he's now captain of montreal too so you have to keep that in mind and then plus he had the gold medals yep so. And uh, and then everybody everybody loves Brent Burns, right? Well, Brent Burns is going to be another one of those. I think Brent Burns is going to be a terribly interesting one. I think he may end up getting Housley, right? Because I, I could see that. Yeah. What yeah, was the What was the that. knock on Phil Housley? He was fourth all time in defensive scoring, but what was his knock? Guy couldn't play defense to save his life. Uh, it kind of mm. sounds like Brent Burns, doesn't it? What, you mean the kid drafted as a forward? Yeah, converted by his... Yeah, converted and converted again and then reconverted to... Yeah, he's been through... He's been through... Yeah. He actually was drafted as a defenseman, but they they put him at forward. But yeah. Yeah, no, but everyone loves Brent Burns, so... I mean, I like Brent Burns, so get me wrong, but... Um, they Hall do, of Famer? I... I don't know. I just I, I I can see him getting Housley. You know, he'll he'll have ridiculous numbers, but everyone's also going to remember the the ridiculous bad defense that he has a tendency to play. You know, the, half of what San Jose looks for is is what they're calling the Wookiee Whisperer, is someone <laughs> who can play on the pair with Brent Burns to mitigate his mistakes, and I won't call them mistakes, his aggressiveness, which you know, he's a high risk, high, he's high risk, high reward. High reward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And they've, and they try and find someone to play back there with him to offset that. And that's, you know, that shows the lack of depth in San Jose system to a glaring degree. But anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, so he'll yeah be interesting. That's, that's what my, that's why I came up with my four was the redemption story with flurry Definitely plays big. I wasn't thinking that initially, but once you said it, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and then, of course, being the face of Vegas in their inaugural year and their inaugural year being insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bergeron, because everyone's talking about Bergeron, it will probably happen. <laughs> name recognition. I mean, it's, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying name recognition. Uh, Brent Burns and, and Shea Weber the defenseman. I think that's pretty much going to be it, though. What I'm do you gonna, think, Pat? <laughs> before you do this, Pat, I want to throw out another one just to stir the pot a little bit. Okay. Joe Pavelski, now go. Oh. I saw that earlier. I almost mentioned Tim, and I was just like, hmm. No. Hmm. No to Pavelski. Um, I think it's Bergeron and Flurry. Uh, and Weber. I would say just those three. Um, one thing that we've neglected to to factor into this discussion, I'm sure Pierre Maguire would be quick to bring up, uh, Patrice Bergeron, also an NHL cover player for the EA Sports video game series, which to the men in the room voting probably have no idea what that is, but... <laughs> When you start talking about fame, I think that's actually a very underrated. Oh, strip away. 
aspect of being a cover athlete of something where it is an entry point for many fans. Um, as I read through Dangle's book, he, he, he brings up how much he learned through playing, you know, NHL 99 with uh, NHL Hall, or uh, Hockey Hall of Fame Eric Lindros on the cover. Um, how he actually learned the rules of the game. And it's going to be an interesting entry point uh, for new fans. I think it should be weighted in a few years that, hey, if you were the best player in the league at a period of time, you're the most famous player, eh, maybe this kind of gives you a little extra boost as far as the selection committee is concerned. Because, I mean, the players on that are way more famous than, I don't know, guys that were selected two or three years ago, if we're being honest. I, I, I don't think... I. I mean, if you if you're going sort of down the the check boxes for him, I think they'll stop at four. <laughs> I think they'll stop at four or five Selkie trophies with him. Yeah. You mean the Bergeron Award? Yeah. Yeah. Which used to be the Saint Louis Award. Which used to be the Bob Gainey Award. <laughs> Until they renamed the Norris after Lidstrom. Uh, well, maybe we can hold off on renaming. Uh, the Brenda Moore. Oh, no. He only had two. He only had two. <laughs> nah, it's it's the it's the Bergeron Award. The, the offensive defenseman award. Yeah, exactly. Give it to Mark Stone this year, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I missed, I missed, hey, Bob Ganey, winger. Yuri Lefton, winger. Everyone else center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't don't go looking up the Con Smythe Award. That will make you angry. Like with the positions, who keeps winning them? I did that one year. It made me angry. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sorry, I'm still just digging through the 2003 draft. I forgot some of these guys. I forgot. First of all, there were nine rounds. Yeah, I did. I forgot that too. That was the last nine. Yeah. Nine round draft, and then it's been seven ever since. Yeah. I remember when it was 11 or 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I'm just I'm still sitting there looking at numbers going, wow, there are some deep picks here that are have played pretty substantial NHL careers. Yeah. And that there are a lot of names. I mean, very popular players, very high producing players who, whose careers were just cut short. And I'm looking at Mike Richards. Yeah. I'm looking Guys, it sounds like uh, Gets Laugh and uh, I believe Patrick Eves was also in that class. Yes, he was. Uh, the third third round pick, if memory serves. Um, you know, Vanek seems to be, you know, just chugging along as kind of a journeyman. But it's just a, it's just a very fascinating group of players. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's there are some diamonds found really late which is really interesting because I, I think I don't think I've seen I mean the volume of players you know past the the fifth round that you know you've got Lee Stempniak at 900 games John Mitchell played 500 Brad Richardson Mark Mathot Bruno Gervais Nate Thompson Drew Miller I mean there are some guys that played over 500 games in there 
And the scary thing is all these players lost out on potentially 116 regular season games through that one lockout year, the full season and then the half season, you know, this decade. Yeah, that leads me into the to my question. Oh, I have the God. question. Okay. Do we want this yet or no? Yes. I, I think we're ready for it. Yes. Okay. All right. So <laughs> speaking of lockouts, so there are a lot of older players that quietly retire during lockouts, mostly because, you know, well, lack of interest by the NHL teams or, you know, they're just done or – they couldn't mean you know keep up their their physical like conditioning or whatever. There's a lot of players that quietly retire during lockouts, and that's why I think in the um, with the 2004 2005 lockout being all season long, you know that they lost the entire season. That it went from being a we need guys at the end, you know, 30 late 20s, early 30s was when a guy was in his prime to suddenly a guy's in his prime in his 20s, his his mid-20s. <laughs> anyway, so my question is this for next week. Who do you think will quietly retire in this next coming lockout should it occur? What players are at the end of their career that they're not, they're just not going to make it through sitting out half a season or a whole season? Oh, I know who my surefire answer is. I think I have two. I have I have one that I think is 100%, and I have one that I think is probably a bitty bitty. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. This has been the 3B3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>